AirPods Pro with adaptive audio. Automatically keeps out the sounds you don't want to hear so you can listen to your music. And lowers your music to let in the sounds you do need to hear. Hi there. Hi, what can I get you? I'll have a strawberry mango coconut probiotic smoothie with wheatgrass. Anything else? Extra wheatgrass. Here you go. AirPods Pro with adaptive audio. Available on AirPods Pro second generation when enabled. Welcome to Aaron Menke's Cabinet of Curiosities, a production of iHeartRadio and Grim and Mild. Our world is full of the unexplainable. And if history is an open book, all of these amazing tales are right there on display, just waiting for us to explore. Welcome to the Cabinet of Curiosities. According to legend, every year for over 1,000 years, riders and their horses would gather in the Middle East for a race. It was a test of endurance known as the Ocean of Fire, and it spanned 3,000 miles of desert. Frank T. Hopkins wrote a detailed account of his participation in that race, which he'd competed in toward the end of the 19th century. While many don't remember Hopkins today, they certainly remember his horse, Hidalgo. Today, the Ocean of Fire has been deemed nothing more than a tall tale. Hopkins and his brave steed probably never traversed the Middle Eastern desert, but similar tests of endurance are still run to this day. One such competition was held in the French city of Nantes back in 1997. Racers gathered from all over Europe to show the world who was the best, who had the stamina, the drive, the determination to get back to England and take home the gold. The race's motto translated to English as, At dawn we go, and at 6.30 in the morning on June 22nd, that's what they did. The racers took off, making their way across the English Channel with gusto. Some hit top speeds of 50 miles per hour out the gate. One such racer was champion Whitetail. Whitetail had 13 wins under his belt by the time he'd reached Nantes that day. He'd made this trip over a dozen times. Whitetail's owner, Tom Roden, went home to Manchester, England, knowing his prized racer would find its way back eventually. Whitetail should have arrived a week later on the afternoon of June 29th, but by 2 p.m., he was nowhere to be seen. In fact, thousands of racers up and disappeared after the event started. Few of them ever made it home, and there was no explanation for it. Five years passed without a sign of the champion Whitetail. Apparently, he was gone for good. Then, one day after Rodin had leashed up his dog for a walk, he opened the door to see a familiar sight standing there. Champion Whitetail had found his way home. Tom knew it was him because of his white tail feathers and the identification ring around his leg. You see, Champion Whitetail hadn't participated in a horse race. He was a pigeon. They all were. The incident had become known as the Great Pigeon Disaster of 1997. So what had caused all those pigeons to vanish, leaving only one to find its way home? According to some scientists, it's possible that the birds heard the rumble of a storm way off in the distance that sent them scattering. However, the weather hadn't been rough that week. There had been no fog or heavy winds. But there had been a plane flying straight across the pigeon's path. And not just any plane. It was a Concorde Supersonic Transport, or SST, that had been soaring overhead. Way overhead. The Concorde was able to reach speeds of over 1,300 miles per hour, faster than the speed of sound, 
and flew so high that passengers who looked up could glimpse where Earth ended and space began. When the SST broke the sound barrier, it left in its wake a sonic boom that sent a shockwave straight toward the pigeons. Disoriented, the animals abandoned their race for safer ground. Weeks after Whitetail's miraculous reappearance, Tom Roden came home to find a letter waiting for him. It had come from a man named Jean Bouchard, who happened to live in Nantes, where the race had started. He told Tom that he'd stumbled upon an exhausted pigeon in his garden and took it in to help it regain its strength. He'd even built a cage for it to keep it safe from his neighbor's cats. He'd noticed the ring around the bird's ankle with a number on it, which he used to track down Tom. Once Whitetail was strong enough to fly, Bouchard took him to the Natural History Museum in town. He had been unaware of the race and thought this was where the pigeon had been released. He opened the cage. Out flew champion Whitetail, who was set free in two different locations, disappeared for five years, and eventually found his way home. A true test of endurance, and a true test of the bond between a man and his bird. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch, subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Farm to store in days, not weeks. That's 80 Acres Farms. Did you know most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate? But not 80 Acres Farms. Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long, which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's zero need to wash these greens? because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter. In 1785, a farmer in the English village of Silchester was plowing his field when he spotted something shiny at his feet. It was a large ring, the kind that would fit comfortably over a thumb but fall off of any other finger. Now, the area where it was found had originally been a Roman-occupied settlement until the 7th century, and the ring showed a connection to that lost era, having been crafted out of 12 grams of gold, with the head of Venus etched into one of its ten sides. Along the other nine sides was a Latin inscription that translated as Senecianus, live well in God. 
Now, if someone's name was chiseled onto the side of a ring, it might be safe to assume that they were the ring's original owner. However, the strange story of this ancient piece of jewelry would only get stranger. Years later, a mysterious curse tablet was discovered in the village of Lydney in Gloucestershire, also known as Dwarf's Hill, roughly 100 miles away from Silchester. Now, curse tablets were a common fixture of the Roman world. Oftentimes, they were nothing more than scraps of lead or stone, with a message scratched onto them. They were typically tossed into wells or placed in temples as a way of forming a contract with the gods. This particular tablet was found in an old pagan temple dedicated to a Celtic deity called Nodens, and it read, Silvianus has lost a ring. Among those who bear the name Senechianus, to none grant health until he bring back the ring to the temple. What's amazing is that for almost 150 years, these two artifacts remained separate, their connection as yet undiscovered. Then, in the late 1920s, archaeologist Sir Mortimer Wheeler began to wonder about their story. However, he needed confirmation from an expert on English etymology and history. He invited his colleague John, who was a professor of Anglo-Saxon at Pembroke College in Oxford, to examine the ring and tablet. Growing up, John had developed a passion for subjects like botany and Latin. As he got older, he explored other tongues, such as Esperanto. He even constructed alphabets of his own invention, which bloomed into full-functioning languages. At the start of World War I, John was shunned by his family and community for not rushing to enlist, but he valued his education above all else. He deferred enlistment until he earned his degree, at which point he joined a regiment, married his high school sweetheart, and fought until he was too sick to fight. Once he was discharged from the military, he found a job working for the Oxford English Dictionary as an etymologist, someone who studies the origins and histories of words, with his focus mainly on Germanic words. From there, he began a career in academics that took him from the University of Leeds to Pembroke College at Oxford University. So, when Sir Mortimer Wheeler pulled John into his mystery, the younger man was well-suited to examine the ring and tablet, and he saw the connection right away. He deduced that a Christian man named Senechianus had stolen the ring from its Roman owner, Silvianus, sometime during the 4th century. Silvianus then did what he thought would help. He made a curse tablet and traveled to the temple where he asked the pagan god to bring illness upon the thief until they returned the ring to its rightful home. Unfortunately, the ring never made it back, and the thief solidified his new ownership by having his own name inscribed around it. John helped put the pieces together for his friend, but the story of the cursed ring left him intrigued. Not long after, he started working on a story, one that followed the adventures of someone who finds their own cursed golden ring. And while that old Roman ring and its associated curse tablet are pretty much forgotten by most today, the entire world knows the stories that John wrote. They span a number of novels, all of which have been adapted for the big screen, and have formed much of the foundation of modern fantasy literature. All thanks to John. John Ronald Ruel Token, and his stories The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings. I hope you've enjoyed today's guided tour of the Cabinet of Curiosities. Subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts or learn more about the show by visiting curiositiespodcast.com. This show was created by me, Aaron Mankey, in partnership with How Stuff Works. I make another award-winning show called Lore, which is a podcast, book series, and television show. And you can learn all about it over at theworldoflore.com. And until next time, stay curious.
Thank you.